What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast about future-focused parenting. Well, hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. Welcome to Raising Adults. Today, we are going to talk about blended families. I mean, I say we, but I'm not going to say anything because Dina's the expert here, and she is going to impart her amazing advice and ideas for families that are either coming into a blend or already in a blend or are maybe considering maybe they're going to come into a blend at some point. Um, So we're going to just hear all the amazing things that she has to say, and I'm going to just probably have a question or two, (laughs) knowing me. Um, But before we get started, we wanted to let you know about the attribute of the month. Um, Today is the 29th of April, so we decided we would let you know now. We're kind of cheating by a couple days, but we won't won't be speaking to you again until we're into May. So we're going to tell you today. The attribute of the month for May is thankfulness. Now, you might be thinking, well, shouldn't they have saved that for November? Really, Kira? Really? Explain that. It's crazy. But we thought, we did talk about that, and we ultimately decided that thankfulness is something that we should be modeling and discussing and teaching our kids every single day. And so the idea of plunking it into a month where we're already heavy on gratitude and heavy on thankfulness didn't feel right to us. So we're going to talk about thankfulness now in May, in springtime. In springtime. Spring uh, so if you're interested in signing up for the Attribute of the Month, you haven't already. It's totally free. It now has its own special page, which is pretty cool. Our website is getting upgraded a little bit. Um, So if you go to futurefocusedparenting.com, you'll see a shop tab. And when you kind of hover over the tab, it will offer you the attribute of the month page. Or you can go to futurefocusedparenting.com whack shop, and it'll be on there too. Totally free to sign up. An amazing newsletter every month comes into your inbox and helps you just focus on that attribute. So in May, we'll be focusing on thankfulness. What does it mean? How do we model it? How do we encourage our kids to experience it and demonstrate it within their community and within your home? So make sure if you haven't signed up for that, that you go ahead and do that. And I'm just going to hand it over to Dina. Dina, tell us your why, and then let's jump to your how. Okay. Well, the last time we talked about blended families on the podcast, we focused on co-parenting. So how are the two partners who are no longer together handling that and juggling that? And today I wanted to talk a little bit about the couple and the primacy of that relationship for people who are either moving into a remarriage or are already remarried or are just have established a new relationship, but with kids involved maybe from previous relationships, because that's really important. And I think my why here is really similar to a why even for an intact family. And so you could definitely weigh in too. But I really think it's important for kids to see parents taking good care of their relationship. Not only is that great modeling for kids to see, and to even learn in their own friendships. How do you take care of your friendships? How do you take care of your sibling relationships? We should all be taking care of our relationships. So it's great modeling. But in addition, especially I think with the layers of complexity in a blend, you've got to put some priority on that and have some scaffolding around it, or it's real easy to just go into chaos. There's so many moving parts. So that felt really important to me. But you probably even have a why for prioritizing your coupledom. Well, I already have a question. Oh, of course. (laughs) Of course I do. So, yeah, I'm sure you're going to talk about this, but I guess it's more of a thought that I would imagine that you're, you're protecting and caring for that relationship in multiple ways because you've got the fact that this is a remarriage or a re-relationship and really committing to and wanting that one to be successful. But then you've also got maybe 
uh, children in the picture that have feelings about that relationship. And so allowing the relationship to weather those feelings must be really challenging. And also sending the message, hey, this relationship's not going anywhere. So whatever your feelings may be, we still have to take time and, and care for what's here. Does that make any sense? It's just kind of what came to my mind is like, wow, the there's so many layers just to this one topic within a blended family. There are. And there's, uh, I'm glad you brought this up because these are all things I was going to mention. But it's interesting if you ask couples heading into a remarriage, what their biggest predictor of happiness is, they're going to mention things about the couple, the dyadic portion. And when you look at measurements and what really shows the happiness of the family after marriage, it's triadic. It involves the kids because they were there first, right, in a lot of cases. So it's really important to protect that because it's what couples go in kind of putting their eggs in that basket. Like, but we're great as a couple. So you have to be able to hang on to that because all of these other things can really tear tear you apart. They're great predictors of family happiness. And you've got to hang on to that because once you're in it, that kid component can derail you really easily. But the other thing I'm glad you mentioned is the feeling of the children. So the marriage is just the beginning for the couple. It's a new chapter. They're looking at it as fresh start, clean slate. I get to have a do-over and all of that. But really, to the kids, often it feels like an ending. It's the now for sure mom and dad aren't getting back together or in the case of someone being widowed, oh, are we trying to replace mom or replace dad? So Often the wedding day can be a really sad day for them. And then moving forward, too, you're dealing with a lot of feelings. We say a lot in the group that Scott and I lead that always, always, if you're in a blend, you're also a grief counselor because your kids are going to be struggling and they may even have jealousy and feel that you're trying to replace them with your new partner. And that is it. Jealousy is technically just the fear of being replaced. And we have to honor that and leave room for that. So it's a great point. Goodness. Goodness gracious. It's so it's so incredibly complicated. And I'm sure you're dealing with your own grief. Even even though you've happily found this new person, it's the end of that for the couple as well. I'm never going to be in my intact original family, which for most of us is what we picture going in in the first place, right? So it really is the closing of a chapter and the opening of this new chapter. And, and the grownups are probably like super on board, new chapter. And the kids are like, hey, I'm still back here in chapter yes. two. And everything was really good back there. For sure. Most of the research shows that kids are about three to four years behind the adults. So they take a lot longer to get on the bus because they weren't asking for any of this, right? They weren't asking for the end of the first relationship or the beginning of the second. So you're exactly right. And that's why I wanted to talk a little bit about that today. We've done a whole episode about parenting on the same page. But what does that look like when you aren't both the biological parent of all the people? And why is that so important to take care of your couplehood and let the kids see that? Even if, like you said, they might have some feelings about that that aren't always positive. So one of the things I wanted to just kind of make sure to address is this is not my phrasing, but I love it. And the organization at Family Life Today, they have a blended family kind of offshoot. And they talk a lot about putting your spouse in the front seat. And I really love that. It came out of a true story where 
a couple was getting together, then they got married, but she had this rotation set up while she was a single mom that the kids took turns sitting in the passenger seat up front. And the first time that her new husband tried to get in the front seat, she actually was like, oh, no, it's Johnny's turn or whatever. And what that did, putting the spouse in the back seat and kind of the message that sent. So we we have to be thinking about how do you send the message to the kids? That's a literal example. But how do you figuratively put your spouse in the front seat? How do you say, you know what, this person is important to me? And you are also going to respect that even if you don't love the whole idea. Because really, if the child stays in the front seat, that's not great. But even worse, sometimes out of guilt, from the divorce or moves or things, parents will even let them get in the driver's seat. And then you really can have an implosion. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And it's it's interesting because we were saying before we hit record that, you know, whilst my parents are divorced, neither of them remarried. Right. How, however, um, my mom had many relationships and my dad had one very serious relationship. And it's so interesting that you brought up the car example because um, there was a day when we went out as a family. I mean, I guess we could call it that. Um, mm. And his girlfriend sat in the front seat. And, and how did you feel about I that? I got put in the back with her son, who was little. And I was like 13. And now I'm oh. in the back seat with a five-year-old. And I was not best pleased. I was very unhappy about it. And, you know, because I'd been riding in the front seat sure, with, my with dad, your dad, like two little peas in a pod for all these years, right? And then... He did, he did this thing. Sorry, Dad. I'm totally going to out you. But um, <laughs> so he used to do this thing both to my mom and to I when we were in the passenger seat. He'd like reach over and like stroke our cheek in this really nice, loving way. Mm. It was super sweet. Um, and I used to sit in the back seat and watch him and my mom in the front seat. And he would do that to my mom. And he reached over and did it to his girlfriend. And I nearly lost my mind. Oh, no. Like we got home and I was so upset. And so I, it's such a it's so interesting just hearing that because, of course, that's right. As an adult now, I can appreciate how important that message was to be sending. But, wow, I can only imagine then if that was my reaction at 13 where I have some kind of logic and some kind of reasoning what it's like for children. Well, and know. that's the whole thing. They don't even have all of those capabilities. But what's interesting is we see this even with adult children. There, There's sometimes... I think some couples get a little thrown. They're like, we waited. Our kids are grown. It's going to be smooth sailing because it's not like they're going back and forth with visitation. Mm -hmm. They are on their own. And often you even have more resistance. So I think it's great that you brought up an illustration when you're already a teenager mm -hmm. because adult children can go ballistic too. They've had things look a certain way for even longer. So in some ways that's harder. I mean, there's different layers. There's like no perfect... I've heard people talking about waiting to get remarried because this isn't the best. There's no good time. Let me just say that. There's no perfect time. It doesn't matter. Little wee people all the way up to adult children will have their own struggles. And that's because no matter what, a step family is born out of loss. Either a relationship didn't work out or somebody passed away. Mm -hmm. And so there has to be room for the kids to grieve that, whatever that loss was. So how poignant that you could say even at 13, hey, I had some capacity to know what was going on, but that still really hurt me and made me mad. Mm -hmm. So great. See, you have things to contribute. Check me out. <laughs> Check me out. Okay, that's it. That's all I had to contribute today. And now and back we're to done. <laughs> so I also wanted to just touch on this idea because of the kids coming first, like I mentioned. 
where kids will sometimes ask the parent, is your new partner, spouse, now your top priority? Because parents, and actually I've got to out the Christian community here, we're big on like the marriage is first and the kids are super important, but they're at a different level. Well, in a blend, it isn't quite that clear cut because those kids often predate that relationship between the adults and you've got to have respect for that. So nobody can be the favorite. No one can be the most important. It's got to be different and the language around it is different. So I really like that. This is from Ron Deal who wrote The Smart Step Family. Great book, by the way. If you are in a step family or even considering it, get your hands on that book. But he said... A really great way to think about this is is changing the language from this whole very easy, intact family hierarchical, somebody's most important to, you know what, my spouse is the most important adult in my life, and you guys are my most important children in my life. Because it's so easy for them to start ranking who's first, second, third, and getting hurt by that. And so I really like that kind of takes away the who's in what place, and it's just, hey, this is an important adult, but... It's not going to take away that you're the most important people that I'm raising. And I'm really lucky because I have one boy and one girl. So I could always tell them, you know, you're my favorite son and you're my most important daughter. I do that too. It worked out beautifully. Best boy. Yes. (laughs) Best girl. And they asked me once, they were like, if we were two boys or two girls, what would you say? I was like, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Then you just do what my mom did to my sister and I. She would say to Siobhan, you're my favorite. But then look at me and go, but I love you more. (laughs) I, I mean, that. it was just, she was just being silly, but we still laugh about that. And I've said it to my kids once or twice. They'll tell you. So I do think that's important also that we work on the language around that so that they know that, yes, this new person is important. And you're going to even see us take some time together. We might go on vacation together. We're going to go on dates. We're going to take care of this because we do want this marriage to last a lifetime. That's a big deal, especially if you've been in one that didn't go that way. Right. However, they have to know that they're important. Does that make sense? Yep, that makes that makes perfect sense. And it's probably harder. I mean, it's hard enough on our kids when we go on a date night. Don't yeah. leave me. <laughs> How can you leave it's me? Drama. Right? But I, I would imagine, again, you have this whole other layer of not only are they feeling don't leave me, but they're also like, how can you go out with this person who's not my mom or my dad or, you know. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's hard. And it's also hard for them to reconcile their own feelings about the new person on the scene they're not even always negative sometimes when they start to like stepmom or stepdad that creates a whole new struggle because kids let me tell you they are fiercely loyal to biological parents even when there's issues Mm -hmm. even if that parent is abusive even if they're in prison even if they're an addict it doesn't matter i've started to see most scenario i of course haven't seen it all i can't even remember scott would remember but there's like I don't know, like 70 some odd ways a step family can be configured. So there are so many different versions of it. And I definitely haven't seen them all personally or firsthand, but I definitely have seen pretty wide spectrum of fascinating bio parents that aren't in the picture anymore. And it doesn't matter. The kids love them fiercely and they're loyal. And so that can be really hard for the new parent coming on the scene Because you've got to move at the pace of that child. They have to set the pace. You can't rush that or force it or fabricate it. It can only happen genuinely if you go at their speed. 
And I think that's sometimes hard because, of course, in the little dating period, it can feel all cute when you're all out together. Oh, look, we're going to just be a family and gel and it's going to be great. When you're all, go you even described all going out as a, quote, family, it looks really super cute. And then sometimes it's not the reality once you're all thrown together. And I just think that can be really, really tricky. There has to be room for them to set the pace. And even I think if that takes longer than that parent was hoping for, because it usually does. So those things are hard to set up. And I think particularly same gender, there's a fierce loyalty. So I think it would be fair to say my stepdaughter, that's been the trickier one because she's same gender with her mom, fierce loyalty. And so that's just going to be a slower one. Even the research bears that out. Actually, stepmom, stepdaughter is the hardest duo to kind of get gelled. But anytime there's a same gender bio parent, you can see that kind of fierce loyalty and where they wonder, well, if I'm starting to like my stepdad, does that mean I'm betraying my dad? Or I think this can happen even when parents start dating after a death or a divorce. The kids might grow attached to that person and then have some conflicting feelings about that. Wait, does this mean because I like dad's girlfriend that I don't love my mom as much? Is she going to be hurt by that? And they should never have to worry about that stuff. So it's, I don't know, I think it's kind of sad that this even has to ever happen. But this is the world mm -hmm. where sometimes relationships fall apart. And the best thing we can do is put that best foot forward to do better as we go into this new season and be considerate of that. Yeah, I think what I really like that I'm hearing you say, I'm not surprised that you're saying it, but um, it's just that emotional piece, the, the giving space for the feelings and really allowing the children to ex process all those feelings. I'm sure there's a, a, a desire to just get it good as quick as possible, like, so we can go to Disneyland, like, you know, onward <laughs> and post a great Instagram picture, you know, and I think that it, I just love that that's what I'm hearing over and over again is how much this is about allowing the feelings, allowing the space, allowing the awkwardness and the discomfort, like, because there's going to be some of that going to be there and not be afraid of it and not shy away from it. And I would also imagine that there's a piece around your own insecurities that come up when you have a child that maybe doesn't like you or isn't ready for you to be in the picture and how you're going to probably have to process all that. Yeah. So I just I, I love the idea of of just allowing it all to be there without judgment, it sounds mm -hmm. like. Yeah. And the the couple needs to have some grace for each other on that, too. So I really have to give lovely kudos to Scott because I was trying to let the kids set the tone, but I did still want to at least show that I was interested and initiate. And for a while early in our marriage, I actually tried to seek them each out kind of individually for dates. Hey, you want to go get a bagel or whatever? And one of the kids in particular kind of just said no repeatedly. And I finally asked Scott, is it okay if I just stop inviting for a while? Because this is hurting me. And he was great about that. I was like, yeah, let's just push pause on that. I really wanted to let the child set the tone. I wasn't mad. But I think what you said is so key, and it goes for the adults, too. They have to be able to feel like, that's ouchy. I'm going to take a break. Mm -hmm. So everyone can have hurt feelings in these situations, grownups included. Mm -hmm. There is a, a one other key I want to talk about, and then I just want to give some like practical good couple tips. But a really important thing, even when there's room for feelings, is that respect is present and that we don't go from tolerating feelings to tolerating disrespect. That's a different thing. And I've had to be really careful about that in our home. And again, Scott does a great job 
one one thing you can do on this, I kind of leaked over into an actual practical tip, but that's when you appeal to the relationship, not to the child's relationship to them. So this is when Scott might say, hey, I need you to not speak to my wife like that, rather than don't talk to your stepmom like that. That doesn't resonate with them, especially if stepmom's new. Yeah, or if they, they don't like that they have a stepmom. They're right. like, well, I don't care. Yeah, that right? has no bearing on me. She has no authority over me. She's not my mom. But it is okay for the adult to say, you know, this is my partner. You're not going to disrespect them. So I actually wrote down a little way to say this. And for me, as a believer, this this is colored by that as a Christian. But this is something that anyone could adapt in a way that works. So you'll hear Scott's name and God mentioned, but this is a good way to think about this. So something you could say to your kids is that when I allow you to disrespect, fill in the blank. So for me, Scott, I'm not honoring my vow to love them because I'm allowing that disrespect. And so I would often say to my kids, you know, I made a vow before God to love him and cherish him. You don't have to be excited about him, but you do have to just respect him as my spouse. And that's a very basic thing that a family can require. It's not, oh, you have to be the hugest fan, love them to pieces, but this is a person I chose. And whatever your belief system, even you can say, you know, I made a promise to take good care of them. This isn't taking good care of them to let you tear them down. So we can't have that in our house. I love that. I think that's, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's and important. You know, what's interesting is it's not, it's not entirely dissimilar from what we talk about in terms of our children and, and discipline and, and the emotional intelligence Absolutely. piece. Absolutely. Like, your feelings are okay, but that behavior is not, is essentially what you're saying. That's exactly it's okay it. you don't like him, but your behavior is not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's exactly great. it. It's just drawing that line between you don't have to be a fan, but you may not speak to him that way or do such and such. Right, yeah. but I love that idea of, you know, it, it their choice to behave that way, if you don't intervene, then you are not fulfilling the vow you made, and that puts you in a position that's mm-hmm. not okay. It's great. Yes. And the thing is you allow really tell kids a lot. So if you allow that, it can become a really slippery slope. One sassy word now can be bigger problems later. Right. Well, before we close, I wanted to give couples who are in maybe a new relationship or a remarriage just some tips that hopefully will be helpful. And my first is to really lower the expectations about how it's all going to look in the beginning. I think we can have our ideas of that little fairy tale. And People often say about second marriages, the honeymoon comes at the end, way later, because the beginning is really hard and you're figuring it all out. And it's why I think I've mentioned this before, but it's why I like the analogy of the crock pot rather than the blender. It's got to be low and slow. It's going to take time. The average is five to seven years. So be patient with that. And that means if you come in thinking it's all going to be cute family right away and rainbows and unicorns, you're going to be disappointed. So not only letting go of how it should look, but how long it should take to look like that. I think that's really big. Second, and I would say this even to intact first couplehood people, date your spouse. You've got to get breaks from all of this. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of feelings, and you might be having to juggle visitation schedules and maybe an ex-spouse that's tricky or some other co-parenting challenges, and you've got to have those breaks. So take dates, take vacations, do all the things. Also, at least early on, my recommendation is when you're in a new relationship that you parent down biological lines, that you don't try to come in and parent the other person's children or hand out consequences and discipline in particular to kids that aren't yours. You might get there over time. And I think particularly if you came on the scene when the kids were younger, I still do not discipline young adult people in my household that are not my biological people just because that was 
not established. They were older when I came in. So you'll have to look at your own situation and kind of play that out. However, we have moved to the place where when we hand out consequences, we are together. But it's still the bio parent delivering the news. So here's what's going to happen because you did dot, dot, dot. But we're together. They know we've talked about it and that we're on the same page, but I'm not handing out. Now you're going to have to do this or you're grounded or whatever. So I think that can be really helpful and also just remove some tendency to conflict, at least in the beginning, in those early years. So that can be a big one. I have a question. Question. So hopefully I have an answer. What happens if, you know, you're, I don't know, a, a stepchild makes an offhand comment about the bio parent to the step parent? So for example, if one of your stepkids had made a nasty comment about Scott to you, Maybe as a way of testing boundaries, what's Dina going to do? How's she going to handle that? Something that maybe in your heart you feel like, I need to correct that or I need to say something about that. How would you have handled <laughs> that at the beginning? And how would you now, these many years later, how do you handle it now? At the beginning, I actually directed them back to the parent. Uh, this is partly also not even related to being a step family. It's that I have a communications degree, and I really believe in that. And I also believe in it even just biblically as a Christian, that we go to the person. And I would say, it sounds like you have a problem with your dad. You should talk to him about that. Because I don't like holding the information, especially if they were like, don't tell my dad. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not going to do this secret keeping stuff unless it's around a safety issue, right? So I'm not doing that. Now it's been long enough. Honestly, it doesn't really happen. And if there's any grumbling, I usually remind them how lucky they are to have such a great dad. I mean, he is awesome. He's full of grace. He's full of fun. And I usually just remind them, you know, you got a pretty sweet deal here. You might want to check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> so that, I feel the freedom to say that at this point. Where we've struggled is more the opposite, is kids grumbling about the step parent to the bio parent. And I have been guilty at times of letting my kids vent. And I've had to really work to rein that in. Kids need a safe place to talk about stuff, but it's still got to be, hey, no, you're not going to talk about my husband like that. So where do so they it's go? it's a line. Like, it's so tricky. So where, who do they talk to? Because it, it's also not going to be appropriate to send them to the other bio parent. Mm -hmm. So who, who do they talk to? Who do you encourage them when they're feeling those feelings about their step parent? They want to express them and process them. What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, honestly, I might be an anomaly here. So I want to really cop to that. But my kids are really close with each other. So I can pretty freely direct them to have sibling chats. Mm -hmm. Not everyone maybe can do that. My two are really close. And we do get the opposite parent thing. It's not ideal. But you're going to hear what happens in the other home sometimes. It's it's more that I want them to know, hey, it's safe to be frustrated. There's just a line where we could cross over into gossip, and we're not going to do that. That would be, okay, at this point, I hear you're having a frustration with Scott that probably we should call a family meeting for, so you can tell him, not be telling me. So that is a tricky one, because they've got to have room to talk it out. And I do think if you have siblings that aren't close, if your kids, which I highly recommend if they've been through anything like this and they show any signs of kind of behavioral backlash, they should be in therapy. So mm -hmm. you can always suggest talking to the therapist. You can suggest talking to other trusted adults, maybe a coach, someone at church, you know, things like that, an aunt. But it's best to kind of keep it away from becoming divisive of the couple if you can. I mean, not more easily said than done, <laughs> I will say. You can imagine all of this is more easily said than done. Yeah, for sure. Okay, a couple last things. One is you have to feel it to heal it. Let your kids grieve. I've said it before, but I think we forget to leave room for that. So I've said it like 47 times. So if you didn't catch that, you're also a grief counselor. 
make it happen, and then encourage your partner to spend time with their bio kids. I think sometimes even the adults can have some jealousy, like, oh, the kid, their kids are here this weekend, and so I'm going to go to the back burner. Go to the back burner gladly. Like, that's your time with your people. Enjoy that. Have fun. Just like I encourage my kids to have fun with their dad, I want to encourage Scott to enjoy time with his children. That's actually going to endear your stepkids to you more. If they feel like you're coming between them, hanging out with their parent, they're going to resent that. So encourage that biological parent-child bonding. And then last, if you are a Christian, pray your hiney off because this is a thing that is not easily just handled with the skills that we all bring to the table. Sometimes you need some extra. You need a little extra divine guidance. <laughs> so I know I have run out of things and come to the end of myself more than once in a blended family and had to just be like, all right, time to pray. <laughs> so those are my practical tips. I wanted to just get that little list out there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so for listeners that might be in a blend and having some struggles or coming into a blend and wanting to make sure they come in as gently and easily as possible, don't forget Dina is an amazing coach and has been coaching blended families for years. Um, so definitely reach out to us um, if you want to work with her. Info at futurefocusedparenting.com. All right. My quote today is because we're talking about couples, but those are extra parents in a kid's life. And so I really love this one. It's it's from the organization I Support Co-Parenting. A child cannot have too many people who love them and want to help them succeed. Aww. So just extra bonus adults loving you. Can look at it that way. That's so wonderful. Well, for more information, you can always go to our website, futurefocusedparenting.com. Don't forget, we have workbooks on Amazon. If you type in Future Focused, it'll probably we'll come, come up. up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we have the Future Focused Parents to Be workbook, which is for expectant couples or couples who are maybe expecting their second or third, where maybe the first time round didn't go as well as they had hoped between them. And then we also have Future Focused Sleep Strategies, which is Dina's amazing book um, for helping couples navigate sleep in those infant months, in those early, early stages. Thanks so much for listening. Phrasing Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded in my laundry room. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee.